the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections and I It's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and I want to say thank you and welcome once again. Uh, many of you long-time listeners, we're going on our seventh season, seventh year on the air uh, with the Victory Hour or its predecessors. Talking politics, Israel, and the law. Now, this week, we take uh, a, a bit of a veer off the path of politics, Israel, and law, although politics sometimes enters into the great American pastime, and that is the game of baseball. We're going to talk baseball as it is appropriate to do so, as the season openers uh, have come and gone, and now it's the home opener for the Minnesota Twins uh, just past us this past week. And this is the first show since the home opener, and we talk each year now. I think it's the third or fourth year that we have had Clark Griffith on the show to talk baseball, again, the great American pastime, and one of my favorite sports and pastimes as well has always been. It's, uh, it's just such a fabulous game. And some would say only getting better. Others would say, boy, they're ruining it each time they come up with these newfangled ideas. And we're going to talk about the new rules in baseball. We may talk about some of the old rule changes like the DH. Did we like that or not? How about the American League versus the National League? We'll talk predictions as well. And next to, as you know, what's closest to my heart, and that is the NHL. I think there are none better than MLB, the Major League uh, Major League Baseball here in the United States. Take out your number two pencil and yellow pad because if you didn't mark it last week when I talked about our upcoming guests, you should... Do so now. Next week, April 16th, we will have on the show Brian McClung, Tim Pawlenty's one-time press secretary and uh, really one of his closest confidants who knows a lot about politics on every, most every week at least, a frequent guest on the Almanac show with uh, Tom Hauser. 
And Brian, a good friend and someone who knows quite a bit about uh, the political machinations going on, things usually that many don't know about. And we're going to talk to Brian about the uh, oh, the recent indictment of Donald Trump, how the Republican endorsement process is going to go in his judgment, uh, how the Democrats are doing in having control, not just here in the state of Minnesota for one of the first times in quite a while, uh, one party having control of both the Senate, the House, and the governorship here in Minnesota. And boy, uh, we're starting to feel that, aren't we? We'll probably talk about law and order. We'll talk about the attorney general as well as the Hennepin County attorney, district attorney. Uh, How are they doing in their job? So that's next week on the Victory Hour. Brian McClung will be joining us. And two weeks down the, the trail will be, as promised, the House Majority Whip, Tom Emmer, will be joining us to put a period on the congressional parade on the victory hour, which has been going on now for the last many weeks. Uh, He will be the seventh of 10 congressional delegation members to the United States Congress to join uh, the victory hour as a guest. Tom Emmer on the show on April 23rd. So we're now joined by Clark Griffith. Yes, the Griffith family bringing Major League Baseball to Minnesota in 1961, I believe. And from Washington. a very long time ago. (laughs) Yes, it it was. It was the year, in fact, that I was born. That that really is a long time ago. That does age it out there, doesn't it? But, you know, the birth of baseball in Minnesota and uh, mine as well, kindred spirits in certain respects. Two great activities in the same year. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. So from the Washington Senators became the Minnesota Twins. And I want to ask Clark Griffith first, uh, being a part of that family that brought the Twins to Minnesota, what 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 did that history really look like? How is it that that happened? That uh, uh, the decision was made to move the Washington Senators to Minnesota. You well, have a unique perspective. That's a very interesting subject you bring up because it was uh, it was my it was it was Joseph Cronin, <clears throat> uh, great Hall, baseball player, Hall, Hall of, of Famer, Famer, shortstop, yep. Hall of Fame manager, American League president who, when he was running the Red Sox, came to Minneapolis-St. Paul scouting because the Minneapolis Milders were a Red Sox farm team, where the St. Paul Saints were one or the other. And he liked the place, and he told his brother-in-law, which was, who was Calvin, they were going to move his team to Minneapolis-St. Paul, and he started the ball rolling. So Cronin was Calvin's brother-in-law. brother-in-law. They were related. Brother-in-law. Okay. Interesting. That, I don't know that, I knew that. That becomes even more important because when the – Application was made to move the team, move the Washington Senators to Minneapolis-St. Paul, and then replace the Washington Senators with a new team in expansion. There had to be a league meeting that approved the move. Okay, and Cronin Cronin presided over the meeting. There wasn't a lot of support for allowing Calvin to escape Washington and move here. The a lot of owners wanted to move here without him. Okay. 
So what happened was that the uh, the meeting was called to order. Quorum was present. Meeting called to order. And then it was the the move idea was tabled. And because of the resistance by some owners, uh, Hofberger in Baltimore, uh, uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and stuff. But what happened was they adjourned for lunch, and the gut drinkers went off to the bar. Okay, the drinkers were all the opposition to Calvin's move. <laughs> okay, so then the, the president of the league, Joe Cronin, called the meeting back to order and took the vote. Now, brother-in-law's prerogative. Brother-in-law's prerogative. Now it, he can't be held responsible for who's not in the meeting. He called it. He called it. He called it, uh, and uh, he called for the vote. And, and the people voting were those present at that time, and a majority voted to move Calvin to Minneapolis-St. Paul. That's why we're here. It's a little parliamentarian j- j- jiggling that that worked out. And, then, and what uh, is the history of the Griffith family with Minnesota? Oh, it started then. And so, you know, but, but y- y- your family was from Minnesota. No. So why Minnesota? Because of Cronin liking Minneapolis as a place for uh, a Major League Baseball. So he suggested... And he, to- liked, he liked the uh, Met Stadium... Uh, I did. The Met Stadium and all that, and he thought it would be a fine place, a good place to move a team. And also he thought Calvin needed a fresh start. And so Calvin uh, agreed to, to move to Minnesota despite not having connections here? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting story. Uh, he did whatever Joe Cronin told him. <laughs> well, Cronin, uh, if you don't know about Joe Cronin and his life and connection to baseball, uh, there are a few... More important figures in the history of baseball than Joe Cronin. Uh, Check that out because uh, a worthwhile review on Google or otherwise, Joe Cronin. We're going to continue our discussion with Clark Griffith about the Minnesota Twins, about Major League Baseball, and about the coming season, 2023. How do you think the Twins are going to do? So far, doing quite nicely. I want to say to you all... Happy Pesach to all of my Jewish friends and uh, happy Easter to all of my Christian friends on this Easter Sunday. We're going to be right back after this short break. While we're on break, go to ParkerDK.com to learn about a premier law firm, the premier law firm, downtown Minneapolis, Parker Daniels Keyboard. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and uh, we're on today with our special guest, Clark Griffith, talking about Major League Baseball. That's right, the American pastime baseball. What a wonderful game, sitting out in the bleachers in the sun during a nice, sunny summer day and watching all the strategy play out in front of you. That is the greatness of baseball, the strategy from the first pitch to the last and everyone in between and how that impacts uh, the game, lineups. It it just is fascinating if you really dig into it. We're talking to Clark Griffith, as I say, and just got done 
telling us the story of uh, how the Minnesota Twins came from Washington, D.C. to Minnesota and the connection with uh, Joe Cronin. And how he escaped the perils of the league meeting. Yes, exactly. Because, okay. you know, the, the big cities, uh, the, the, the largest of markets, were opposed to this. Well, let me tell you, Jerry Hofberger owned the National Brewing Company in Baltimore, and he was a sponsor of the Senators. He didn't want an expansion senators there. He wanted the old, the, the regular senators there with Killebrew and people like that, Versailles, and well-known players. So it was his business interest to keep Washington, keep Calvin in Washington. Yeah. Okay. Bill Veck just didn't like anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Dan Topping in New York didn't like anything either. And, and these people were opposed. Yeah. But they also liked to drink. So they went to, <laughs> they went to the bar for lunch and they came back. And it was done. It was, and all of a sudden, the, the league president calls the roll, and the, those present and voting control the action at that point. Yes. Little point in corporate law there. And uh, some hours after the meeting was reconvened, I think it was Vec who asked, hey, what about Calvin? What's going on here? And uh, Cronin looked at him and said, Bill, Calvin's gone. Okay. <laughs> you you shouldn't have had that last martini. That's right. Yeah, Calvin has made his escape with his new team. Made it, made it, and 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 we're bit, we've been here since. I was I was in fact sitting at home with my sisters, and uh, we heard it on the radio. Fabulous. And I said, "What? Well, what do you think, uh, Clark? About I mean, y- you've spent much." Uh, uh, certainly all of your adult life connected in some respects, certainly to the game of baseball. And you have seen over the years, the uh, rule changes, some of them big, some of them little that have affected the game. And, and every sport has them and they evolve and change. Uh, I think in some respects, rule changes uh, have gone too far in other uh, professional athletics, such as the NBA. I think, frankly, it ruined the game of basketball. I hardly uh, watch the NBA anymore. Now, others say, oh, it's the most popular game. They're, yeah, great. If you don't care about defense, uh, you know, <laughs> and strategy, then, you know, just come down and shoot the three-pointer and the game is the game is over, but you know, and, and if you get touched, it's a foul. And, you know, it's not like the game uh, used to, used to be same with even football, frankly. And, and that's also hugely popular, but I'm a bit of a traditionalist. And so changing of rules, uh, you know, I usually look at with a jaundiced eye, what, what, what say you about the, uh, let's talk about the rule changes this year, because they're probably the most significant rule changes that we have seen in decades. Well, the most significant rule, of course, is are the timing rules. What they're doing in this is they're trying to codify what used to be the unwritten rules of the game is that you keep the action flowing, okay? The pitchers get the ball and pitch it, and the batters get in the batter's box and hit it. But uh, they got away from that, and, and pitchers would do dally on the mound and, and not throw the ball and the batters would walk around the batter's box for half an hour and uh, <laughs> people people got very upset the game really lost its momentum and and game times 
sort of extending over three hours, and that's intolerable for most people, including me. <laughs> and uh, I like to get the games back to two hours. You know, two hours and a few minutes is fine with me, and that's the proper length for a baseball game. I've seen games played in an hour and 50 minutes. Wow. Okay, and that's really in a, a quick, quick-paced game. Uh, I, I think this is going to be successful. I think it's already perking up the game. I think it's making it faster. I think people will enjoy it more. And friends I've spoken to are you know, eager to go see a game when they know they will not watch uh, the, the, the batter stepping out of the batter's box five times to adjust his batting glove. Okay, that was absolutely – people hated that. They, could, they couldn't stand it. They were or sh- pitchers stepping off the rubber and, you know – and they, uh, they call that disengagement now, by the way. Andy. Yes, disengagement. And, you know, and, let, let me just uh, jump in and, and tell everybody what the rule is because a lot of people are, are not uh, familiar specifically. They hear about the timing rule. They may not know what it is, but it's a – 30-second timer, number one, a 30-second timer between batters. So you can't uh, go lollygag around before you get in the box. It's a 30-second timer. And then between pitches, it is a 8-second uh, timer, or a 15-second timer. 15 seconds. And 20, then 20 if there's somebody on base. And, and 20 if there's someone on base. And for the batter, they've got to be ready within eight seconds, the first eight seconds of the 15 seconds. The last eight seconds. Yes, the last eight seconds. Right, last so eight ultimately, seconds. They've, got to be, uh, they've got to be ready. So it moves the pitch uh, 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 rotation of pitches and the sequence of pitches much quicker and the pitcher's got to be ready to throw. And that used to be the standard rule. When you played baseball, you did it quickly. And there are some pitchers that this won't affect because that's the way they pitch anyway. That's the way they anyway. naturally pitch, right. But Jim, most Jim pitchers... Scott wouldn't be not, bothered by it. Right. Yep. Uh, but most pitchers, there, there is an impact. And if you violate the pitch count rule, what happens? Well, they call a ball. If you violate the rule and or they could call a strike on the batter if he violates the biggest impact of Barry Machado, Manny Machado the other day was called out on the third strike because he he, he waited too long in the to get get into the batter's box. And he got very upset and got thrown out of the game. Yeah. And that that's a good uh, that's a good example. Okay, that's good. It can have a significant Mm -hmm. impact uh, on the game. And, And then there's the additional rule regarding speed that uh, pitchers can only throw over to first base so often. This is one of the more bizarre rules ever. He, a pitcher can make two pickoff attempts, uh, to, you know, to a runner t- twice. If he does it the third time, he either gets the runner and he's the runner's tagged out or, or it's a balk is called and the runner gets the, the base. Gets okay. the next base. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's, I think that's problem problematic and I think it'll, result in some very interesting situations. They, those situations being that runners will, you know, attempt to steal because yeah. they know the guy will not be throwing over. He'll take a longer lead and make an effort to steal. Well, you know, that's one of the things that the proponents of the rule changes have said, that they want to 
increase excitement in the game through more steal opportunities <laughs> being uh, taken advantage of. And one of the ways they did that was restricting the pitcher's ability to hold runners. The other way they did it is the next rule change, and, and that was bases. enlarging the bases. Talk a little about that. Well, the bases used to be 15 inches. They're now 18. They, they say it's to, to, to picture that properly, you have to picture a, a, a Domino's pizza box. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is what they're they're dealing with now, which is a very large base, but uh, technically now the uh, distance between first and second is shrunken by six inches. Right, you know, and, and that's you know you would think ah oh, big deal that doesn't matter. You know, listen, bang bang plays that matters, and a lot of them are bang bang plays either from the outfield or from the catcher. Uh, it can make a big difference. Yeah, I'm going to go out there. I want to see what these bases look like. I, I, I assume they're the same model and design as the old bases, just slightly larger, but I have to go see that. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to take a look at that. Domino boxes around the infield. Uh, what about the shift restriction uh, rule? That's the most bizarre rule ever uh, because of, of statistical analysis. Uh, people started shifting infielders uh, that on, on hitters who had a great propensity to hit the ball to one side of the infield or the other. In other words, for a left-hand hitter uh, who hit the, pulled the ball all the time, but hit the ball between first and second, they'd move the shortstop just to the side of second and put the second baseman a little bit into the outfield and, and have three players on that side of the field to, to catch any, foul, any, any ground ball he might hit. That's... I, I think that also opens up the left side of the infield to anybody who can put the ball there. Yeah, and it's interesting because analytics in the game of baseball has affected the game perhaps more than any other professional sport. We're going to talk about the shift in, again when we come back. Yeah, we, we absolutely will. And, and these analytics caused... Uh, frankly, the movement of your nine players out there. Not all of them, but uh, you could move outfielders quite a bit. You can move infielders quite a bit. You can have shortstops playing second base, second baseman backing up first base. You've even saw that. Uh, uh, people people have been watching managers step up in the uh, dugout steps and move outfielders around for, for decades. Okay, sure. So that's no big deal. That, that they're not changing. But the shifts in the analytics really affect and uh, the game and and this rule, you know, uh, will probably increase batting averages a little bit. We'll be right back. We're talking to Clark Griffith about the great game of baseball as the season openers are now beyond us. But we begin the season 2023 uh, in earnest. And what a great game that it is. Happy Easter to y'all. And Pesach is uh, uh, in the mix as well. Happy Pesach to all of my Jewish friends. And we will be back with Clark Griffith talking baseball right after this short break. Go to ParkerDK.com while we're on this break and stay with us. the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and thanks once again for joining us. 
this beautiful Sunday and spring is in the air. That means baseball is in the air. And we're talking to Clark Griffith about the great American pastime. And we're focusing on the rules, the rule changes in baseball. And for 2023, it's already had and will continue to have a big impact on this season and seasons to come. These are some significant uh, rule changes. We talked about the timer on the pitcher and the batter. We've talked about the enlarged uh, bases, which increases the possibility of stealing a base. Uh And then we started to talk about the shift restrictions that baseball is placing on managers, and that is moving players around, and the restriction relates to the infield. And only the infield, and the uh, restriction is that uh, no team can have uh, four players, three three players on one side of the infield. They have to be separated, Two two to the left side of second base and two to the right side of second base. So you can go right up to where second base no, is, you but you can't there. you can't straddle it, and you, you you have to be on one side of it. One side of it, and your feet have to be on the dirt part of the infield. You can't be on the grass. So this reminds me of the old player Will, Wee Willie Keeler, who said, that "Hit it where they ain't." <laughs> That's okay? right. Well, where they ain't is where it was created by the shifts who that opened up vast swaths of the infield to singles. And also, it reminded me also that the greatest hitter I've ever seen, Ted Williams, hit into a shift his entire career. It's called the Williams shift, and it was classic. The uh, shortstop moved over to on the other side of the second. The second baseman took a deep right field, a short right field position, and the, the first baseman got off the bag a little bit. So he had to hit against three players on the right side of the field, and he batted four oh six heading into that shift. Okay, I, I you know I'd never heard that story, and this would have been before analytics. Although, oh no, it was so, so clear that he pulled everything. Yes. Okay. So you put an extra guy on the side of the infield. Didn't matter. And the guy, a, a, a writer named Bert Hawkins in Washington, wrote, uh, "The Williams shift is no defense unless the fielder's on the right field fence." Okay? <laughs> And and the point is that the shift really makes the very little difference. And also opened up. I saw I saw a batter, a left hand hitter, facing a shift, which open which had the third baseman playing shortstop, and he got up there and he just dropped the ball down a bunt that rolled slowly down the third baseline and he walked to first base. I said I said that's the way you end the shift. Yeah, is you you counteract it. But they can't do that. Now it's now it's over with. Well, a few you know statistics in terms of impact. They didn't just implement these rules in Major League Baseball uh, on a whim. They had an extended <laughs> period of time they where just, they implemented these rules in the minor leagues, yeah, minor leagues, and in other and, uh, and the levels, Atlantic League, and in the Atlantic yeah. League, exactly. And so we have a a bit of uh, data to take a look at. And in terms of the shift restriction rule, averages went from an average over the whole league of 247 batting 
to 249. Now, now you, you know what that is, Matt? Come, come on, you, you've done well, math. Well, yeah, the math, the math on that. 0.249 to 247? It can't be too much. That's like a hit a year. And maybe it's because there's some better hitters in that particular well, year. Who knows? But it is not an enormous number of hits that are affected by the shift restriction. So Much ado about nothing. It did, however, the timing restrictions did help the game. 25 minutes shorter. That's huge. And that is a big deal. Now, if they really want to affect the time of the game, they got to affect the uh, time allotted to the walk-up music for the players. <laughs> That's okay. right. That's really critical. Okay. <laughs> People might not know this, but every player has selected his own walk-up music. So when he's leaving the on-deck circle and walking to the plate... The, 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 the PA system will play his own music. Yes. Okay? And they've allotted 20 seconds to that. Now they're allotting 10 seconds to that. So that's a substantial 10 seconds. Wow. Wow, big deal. Yeah, what, music what? is getting tossed to the curb by Major League Baseball. What's, what's your walk-up song, Andy? Have yeah, you, I got to figure that out. It's probably, uh, uh, well, you know, morning in uh, Amarillo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that's George Strait. That's the first thing they ask a player when he's traded to a team. What's your walk-up music? Yeah, Amarillo by morning is probably uh, going to be my uh, walk-up music. But not being in the ma- in, ma- in the major leagues, having played my uh, last baseball game when I was probably twelve. Is, <laughs> Whoa! When did you, you it, didn't start much before that? No, no, no. It, it, yeah, I was uh, not so great. I was about three feet nothing. So. Listen, when you take a look at uh, the timing going from three hours and three minutes on average for a baseball game down to two hours and 38 minutes on average, and we can probably get it a little bit less than that, that, you know, that is a significant difference. In terms of stolen base activities, we talked about the rules affecting stolen bases uh, the activity in increasing attempts from 2.23 attempts per game to 2.81 attempts per game. <laughs> that's That actually is a pretty significant increase. That is, and that's we, we don't know. You know, players will adjust to that. Catchers will adjust to it. Infielders will adjust to It'll it. It'll be interesting so how the down. game affects. Yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of success rate of stolen bases, went from 68% success to 78% success. It could have a significant That's impact. That's very significant. Yep. You know, it turns a single into a double. Yep. Uh, and uh, some of the, you know, and, and it, it will increase the value of the speedster compared to what it used to be what, what, for what, teams. What's important here is that the perception of the game being quick and fast is now changing. It used to be slow and plodding, and now it's quicker. And that's going to make a lot of difference with, with fans' attitude and eagerness, eagerness to attend games. Well, what, what the rules do is they increase uh, even a little bit uh, the hitter's advantage. They increase the activity on the base paths, and they increase the activity pitcher to catcher. And all of those activity increases— Scoring increases, uh, 
I think may make the game a bit more interesting to folks. I think it'll make it a lot more. Let me tell you a story. I spent a lot of time in baseball, and I talked to my friends from the game, who are many of them now retired and living in, say, Phoenix and stuff like that. But there were a bunch of them out there who did not attend the game last year for the last two years because the game was so slow and so boring, and, and they couldn't stand the home run strikeout uh, pace that was going on. All the players trying to lift the ball with every swing and striking out five times a game. And I, I, that bothers me too. I, and if they can get to, get to the point where the players are actually attacking, hitting the baseball, making contact with the ball, I'll be very pleased. I don't know if that's happened yet or not. I haven't checked the box scores to note the uh, strikeouts in a game. But when they have 11 strikeouts in a game all the time, that's too much. Well, returning fans, not returning them altogether, but the excitement that fans have for baseball in the United States is only a good thing. Good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So let's talk for a minute about predictions. <laughs> you know, I mean, Clark, you I call me, you, you when you, I need to know who is going to win the American League Central uh, this year, well, 2023. Me, let me tell you a story about the American League Central. Some many years ago, I got to know Carl Polad pretty well, and he and I were talking once, and he said, he said, what, what, what's the best thing about this team I bought? I said, Carl, the best thing about it is you're in the American League Central. And he had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> but it is the best thing. The best thing is that they have to compete against the Cleveland Indians, who are very good, by the way. It will win the pennant this year again. They, you know what? I don't know. They, I think they call them the Guardians. Guardians. Nowadays. Did I say Indians? Oh my god! <laughs> you may god. not have. Yeah. That's like that's like misgendering somebody, right? Well, okay. it is. It not, is it's indeed. not as dangerous. I All don't right. Think, so, but it's, the, but it's so the Cleveland team, yes, and then the Chicago White Sox, and, and they're Chicago still the White, White Sox, Sox are, are are run by a guy named Jerry Reinsdorf, who's been around the business for a long time, old friend of mine, who's caught on to the fact that if you want to make a lot of money in baseball, you come in third place, <laughs> and then you have to. Detroit and Kansas City, neither of which can play. Okay, right. so you've got you've got one team you got to worry about, Cleveland, and the Twins will come in second to Cleveland this year. And they and last year they came in third behind Cleveland and Chicago, but they'll be second this year. So don't don't get too excited. They're going to lose. They're going to finish behind Cleveland in second place. But you there, guys will go through the winter time. There it is. The Twins came in second. Next year we'll get them. Yeah, there there it is. Clark Griffith with a prediction on the American League Central. We'll be back right back. Talk about old-time baseball and maybe a few more predictions. We're talking Major League Baseball with Clark Griffith on the Victory Hour this week. Happy Easter, happy Passover to uh, all out there. And we'll be right back after this short break. Go to MyPillow.com to pick up some of the latest and greatest of uh, bedwear, uh, sheets, and, of course, pillows. MyPillow.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're back. It's the Victory Hour. Thank you for staying with us. We have really enjoyed the show today talking about Major League Baseball with Clark Griffith of the Griffith family bringing Major League Baseball to Minnesota in 1961 from Washington. You know they were the Washington uh, 
senators and uh the senators had some good teams back when i i'm remembering frank howard is uh that was the that was the expansion senators yeah okay. i i remember them okay. because that's when i was uh following baseball as a little tyke and a teenager and enjoying it a quite a bit in the 1970s uh and i want to ask you this uh clark but let me give you my Favorite baseball team of all time, I believe, was the Big Red Machine in 1975. Excellent team. What a fabulous, great, fun team to watch. I didn't, I, I, my, my most disliked, uh, very strong baseball team of all time was probably the Baltimore Orioles when every season they seemed to knock the Twins out. Yeah, they had great pitching. And the pitching, the pitching, unbelievable. Eight is alive, yep. And, that um, was, and Earl Weaver was the manager. One, yeah, one of Earl my Weaver. best friends ever. We used to fight yeah. all the time. A real calm guy, Earl Weaver. Earl? <laughs> he and I used to go out together every time he was in Minneapolis, and uh, we had quite a time together. How much dirt did he kick on uh, umpires? <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a well, bit. He made his point. Yeah. No, that's he, true. He, he told me that he got calls all the time because people didn't want to put up with him. <laughs> that his his players were called safe, or the other team called out many times when when they were the umpires were giving him the consideration of not wanting to fight with him. You know, he had it, it was ridiculous. He had Palmer, McNally, Quayar, and Dobson. What do you do with that? You pitch him one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, you do. And he, he didn't have to do much beyond you that. Got, you got Brooks Robinson and uh, oh, Belanger yeah. and uh, Davey sure. Johnson and Boog Powell and, and yeah. Paul Blair. You know, the, the team was – and Andy Etcheberry. The team was just superb. Yeah, no, that that was. But anyway, the, the Big Red Machine, uh, you know, was was uh, my my favorite uh, with uh, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, Dave Concepcion, Dan Reeson. Dreesen, uh, then you had Rose, Geronimo – uh, and Parker was out there for a while. I don't know. No, Griffey Senior. Griffey Senior. Griffey Senior was was out there, and Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench. And they had a pretty good, uh, pretty good pitching staff with Don jo- Gullett and company. Johnny Bench could throw a guy out at second from his knees. Yeah. Okay, and he did. It's unbelievable. Yep. So, what about uh, your favorite team? Uh, my, my favorite team is the nineteen sixty seven Minnesota Twins. Okay. Okay. It just, just this is the team that lost to the Red Sox in the cru- crushing playoff the, the last couple of games of the season in Fenway, and this is a team that had four Hall of Famers on it. Okay, remember this: this is a Twins team, 1967, with four Hall of Famers: Killebrew, Cott, Oliva, and uh, Carew. Okay. Yeah, that's a good team. Unbelievable team. Yeah. And the rest, and, and Versailles and people like that, they're, I mean, they're absolutely superb players everywhere. Yeah. Who caught on that team? That was Earl, that Earl Jesse Batty? It was Batty? Yeah. Yeah. No, that that was a great team. And, you know, in the, for, for a team coming from Washington, um, 67, not many years after coming, coming to Minnesota, and for the number of years from the late 60s into the 70s, uh, the Twins had a great team. Well, we had we had uh, we we focused very hard on selecting players, okay, and uh, that's what we did well. I, I used to tell people some some teams are capital intensive, we're labor intensive, okay. 
So I spent a lot of time, for example, myself going out scouting players and looking at them and stuff like that. I ended up you know, scouting Herbeck. Yeah. Signing Herbeck. Wow. Uh, but we, what we did was really pick players well. And we picked we picked hitters very well for some strange reason. We yeah. didn't pick pitchers quite so well. Well, I was going to ask you, how was the pitching staff? You know, Mudcat Grant was back then in the 60s. That was a, that was a trade. And, you know, we, we had Cott. Um, he signed us as a, as a free agent. Yeah. Yeah, I think our, you know, our pitching staff, well, that's why the Orioles knocked us off. I thought we were very competitive with them. They, they, were, they had slightly better pitching. Yeah. Okay? And their defense was very good, too. Our, our defense was about as good. But uh, Yeah, they had Brooksy at third. That yeah. was not bad. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. That's a nice way to start. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so uh, what do you, so you think the twins will come in second this year as an improvement over last year, Andy, remember I predicted yeah. on this show, yes, third place finish last year. And that's what it was, as I recall, that's what it was. Yeah. And, uh, so you're thinking in a, a, a bit of an improvement this year, they've come out of the gates pretty, pretty well. Yep. Uh, and, uh, I went out and. And picked up tickets this year. Uh, I think I've got a number of games uh, that I'm going to go to. And I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, th- I think the new stadium is great. What do you think of it? I think the new stadium's fine. And uh, I, I, I think what you're catching on is the fact that people are excited because of the pace of the game will be improved. Yeah, I think It'll that- It'll be, be a more pleasant experience. And you won't be there until 11 o'clock at night. It'll be interesting to see whether overall attendance in Major League Baseball goes up. Well, let me, let me tell you something. I think that it will go up. I think excitement over the pace of play will improve the, 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 the attendance quite a bit. But you're missing the big rule change. Mm. The really big one. Yeah. Is they now have an observer watching the Bat Boy. What? The Bat Boy has to play or whatever he's doing, with alacrity. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. That's, that's an actual rule? No, that's, a, that's a rule. I would have or thought he, you were kidding. I have Or he can be tossed out. The bat boy can be okay, tossed so, out. So they had a situation where Trey Turner, I think he plays for the Phillies now, he got the first base, and the bat boy was chastised for not reacting quickly enough to get him his sliding gloves. Wow, you got to okay. get that out there. You got to get that out there. The sliding gloves are like kitchen mitts. Sure, know, the sure. Guys wear so they don't hurt their hands when they slide. Yeah. yeah. People used to just hold dirt in their hands and stuff like that. Of course. Now they have big mitts. Yeah, prima donnas. Um, unbelievable. But the rule, the, the, I mean, you really miss this when you, when you see a bat boy hustling all the time. Yeah. It really adds a lot to the game. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. It's it's kind of like the, the, what if you had somebody who was loafing in tennis, one of those uh, kids who ball gets boy. the ball yeah, boy. Ball yeah, ball boy walking to pick up the yeah, ball no, by the net. no, yeah, no, no, you can't have that. But I didn't know that there was actually, you're kidding. I mean, there's no, actually serious. a rule? I'm serious. So they, they actually have to uh, do their job with alacrity. That, that, absolutely. Wow. All right, so you learn something every time you listen to the Victory wi- Hour. That hasn't been widely No, not by widely the media, discussed, no. but it makes perfect sense to keep the game going. Uh, we're talking to Clark Griffith uh, on the Victory Hour today about Major League Baseball, the rule changes, predictions. Talk a little about the Minnesota Twins.
Uh, I wanted to circle back on that in terms of uh, this season. Do you believe that the Minnesota Twins can win a game in the playoffs? When do you think they're going to win a playoff game again? <laughs> I mean, haven't we well, lost? They, have, they like, have to get there. Yeah, they, we'd have to get there I first. I don't think they'll and, get there this year. Yeah, they won't get there this year. But it, it's an unbelievable monkey on our back. It's it's such a monkey. I can't believe it. I've observed it every time. Yeah. And the Yankees, for example, yes. win without even a contest being declared. Okay. <laughs> and there it is. We got to take down the Yankees, amongst others. Clark, thank you very much for being on the Victory Hour uh, Always today. Always a pleasure to be with you, Andrew, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll keep track during the course of the season to see how we're doing. See how we're doing on the predictions uh, front. Thank you for joining us once again. Happy Easter, happy Pesach to uh, all out there. And join us next week when Brian McClung will be on the Victory Hour. Until then, have a great week. To the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise Counsel, winning results. For more information, go to ParkerDK.com. Until next time, he leaves you with these words from Winston Churchill. All the great things are simple, and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.